he told me about her bit. Yeah. I just at a party. And you just checked, looked into it, and you were like, I fuck with this? No. But <laughs> no, you looked into it, you are like, this is what, retard- retarded. <laughs> what, what happened was that... All right, what's up, everybody? This is Other Life. I am Justin Murphy. I just wanted to let you know that I write a free newsletter to thousands of people every week. It's where I publish my best work, I share events that you can come to, and much more. We have an insane private community around the newsletter, and it's free. Go check it out. Just go to otherlife.co. That's otherlife.co. When you subscribe, I'm going to send you a folder of PDFs that contain all of my personal highlights from a bunch of my favorite books that I've read over the years. So you'll get a million insights after just a few minutes of browsing these PDFs, really. They're really special to me, and I just figured I'd share them with you all. So that's otherlife.co, otherlife.co. All right, Noah. So I think I read a post somewhere once where you were talking about something you learned from the New York Review of Books. And when I look at this cover, I feel like there's a little bit of an allusion to the New York Review of Books. I'm curious. I want to start by asking you, what did you learn from the New York Review of Books? What are some of the kind of ideas that influenced you in the construction of the Mars Review of Books? Yeah, a lot of bit influenced. Uh, I consider it an homage. I would read old copies of the New York Review of Books endlessly when I was in college, you know, just uh, using JSTOR or whatever. I could pass a whole day that way. If I found out about a new author, you know, who is this... uh, whatever obscure robe grier or whatever i would go straight to the new york review of books to get what i knew would be a solid elegantly written opinion about that what really inspires me about the early new york review of books is that they were kind of fed up with what book reviewing was like at the time as i mentioned in my little opening salvo to the Mars Review of Books. Um, Soon before the founding of the New York Review, Elizabeth Hardwick wrote a piece in Harper's that was, you could say, a takedown of the New York Times book review. This came out in the late 50s. Mm. It was just saying, this is all pablum. It's all, you know, weak back padding. Um, Are we not more serious than this? Are we not more intellectual than this? And so the New York Review had an opportunity when there was a printer's strike and the New York Times Book Review stopped printing and Bob Silvers and Robert Lowell and Elizabeth Hardwick and Jason and Barbara Epstein were all sitting together having dinner and they said, let's do a new book review and let's do it independent and we'll only review books that we think are worth reviewing. We're not going to do it for the sake of taking anyone down. We're not going to do it for the sake of... um, building anybody up, we're going to get the best people to talk about the things that are most important. And um, that was an opportunity then. I think that's an opportunity now for a lot of different reasons. Interesting. And what, what, made, what do you think made the New York Review of Books go downhill? Well, I, did, did I say it no, went no, downhill? Well, you were talking about it emphatically in the past tense. Uh, well, um, you know... I think a lot of publications changed significantly with the advent of the internet. Mm-hmm. They felt they had to create websites, obviously. Right. Um, and then they didn't really know how to integrate their websites into their print publications. 
So oftentimes what people would do would be to print more content on the website than they do in the print publication. Well, if you're publishing twice as much stuff, but you have the same staff, is it all going to be as good? Mm. Now you're publishing all this stuff online, and now there's a Twitter mob who really hates <laughs> this thing that you just published. Uh, how are you going to respond to that? Who's making that decision? Is it the old-time editor, or is it like the social media manager? Now, if you feel you always have to respond to the Twitter mob, who's really running the editorial policy of the magazine? Is it the editor or is it Twitter? Right, right. I think I wrote in the Other Life newsletter just a few weeks ago, actually. I looked at some of the stats. I don't know. Did you see those circulated? I did the, you, about the average age. It's pretty insane, right? Yeah, yeah. I have nothing but respect for you know very sophisticated outlets like the New York Review of Books. Yeah. And I'm not throwing shade, but yeah. clearly... Uh, they're not keeping up with the times, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to, 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 to your point, I think. I mean, also, I mean, I don't think it's telling tales out of school to say that the New York Review of Books was a Bob Silvers and Barbara Epstein joint, and then Barbara died, and then Bob died. Right. And, so, you know. right. When there's too much influence from individuals, then it's hard to find a successor that can really keep that going. Could be, could be. But one thing is, you know, the early New York Review was special because it had, um, I was talking to somebody who worked with Bob and they were telling me, you know, he really considered it an expression obliquely of his personality. Hmm. And it had a personality. Right. And I don't know how, you know, I think... It's hard to find publications like that. And that often makes great content, but it also makes it hard to find successors and to build something that can last longer than the lifetime of that person, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a hard question. I mean, a lot of magazines, or I would say few magazines have weathered that, you know, yeah. Right, I should have said, because I mentioned the. I mentioned it, but I didn't give the details that the average reader, the average age for the New York Review of Books right now is something like 75 or something like that. Yeah. It's like really, really up there. Literally boomer tier. Have uh, you content. ever read the New York Review of Books personals? They're great. <laughs> no. Why? What is it? I need to do Mars It's Review like people in retirement personals. homes looking for like a casual oh, sex. <laughs> no, it's more beautiful and poignant. Than oh, really? That. It's like poetic. It's like sophisticated it's like love letters. year old Proust lover Aww. enjoys long walks. That's nice. Terrace in Milan seeking. I don't know. That sounds pretty horny to me, though. Honestly, I think I was right. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, that too. I mean, okay. So it is, it is a personal ad. So tell me more about the kind of guiding vision behind the Mars Review of Books. Clearly, you're building it on Urbit. So the entire kind of content economics is totally different. The, the game is totally different, basically. Or I should say, not totally different, but. Urbit presents some very interesting new avenues to think about when it comes to how content is distributed, how content is monetized. Yeah. I just want to kind of really pick your brain and understand how you're thinking about what it means to build a, a publication on Urbit. Because I get a lot of emails from people who are interested in Urbit. And one of the most common things people say is they're interested in writing on Urbit. They're interested in, you know, a lot of people see it as this new way to develop culture and to, 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 to publish your work, whether it's writing or music or whatever. This is like what this is becoming the imagination, even though, um, you know, people don't even know like what what you can do with Urbit. People are like super confused. I find I get emails from people who don't even know that much, but they're like, how do I start 
you know, creating on Urbit. So, you know, you've thought about this as much as anyone really. So I want to, I want to kind of talk about this a little bit. What does it mean to build a, a magazine on Urbit? Yeah, I was writing a piece, um, that ended up going on the urbit.org blog called Urbit is for creators. And I was talking to smart people about this question and they were giving me ideas. And so I got to sort of cobble together an answer to this and then had an opportunity to write it and right. be like, oh, okay, why don't I try to do it? I think the thing I think about most is that old 1000 true fans model, which I'm sure, yeah, you're familiar with. Sure, that was uh, Kevin Kelly, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So what one thing I think Urbit can do is just provide a space that's that that I own right as a small business owner that isn't going to be degraded by Facebook's decisions it's not going to be degraded by Twitter's decisions it's going to be something flexible and extensible to the degree that I want it to be and I can try to build a business not by getting you know a billion shallow eyes but by getting 2000 deep eyes and that by the way is one of the reasons why a lot of a, a certain type of media company has failed in recent years yeah because a lot of media companies were built on uh facebook advertising or yeah. certain advertising models that then they just yank it or the economics change and it becomes more expensive to uh, pay for those eyeballs and those businesses go like down the tubes i feel like facebook advertising was always a sham i used to work in publishing oh, yeah. and i would do those facebook ads yeah I think I don't know about that, but there were a lot of businesses built on yeah. on those ads, yeah. which were highly effective for a while, okay. cheap for okay. a while. Yeah, I mean, entire like Buzzfeed, it, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I have Buzzfeed. No, Buzzfeed is still around. I was I'm surprised. sure they're still around, but I yeah. doubt. I, I, I mean, I don't know their numbers, but I yeah. doubt that they're. They must be on the decline to some degree. I saw degree. a recent article from them, and I was surprised to learn they were extant. And then there's like a long tail of of crappier BuzzFeeds. Yeah, you know there there were thousands of, of think, BuzzFeed type magazines and publications. Think doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, no, but there were, there were like thousands of those yeah. that I think were profitable for a while. Yeah. And then Facebook yanks the you know the advertising advantages and yeah. they're out of business. So that's the first point that yeah. makes publishing on Urbit different. Yeah. You own your content uh, with a certain degree of of kind of untouchable sovereignty yeah that is really unparalleled anywhere else you might want to publish something so that's one yeah what else another one well you know as you and probably a lot of people watching know an urban idea is a permanent identity so there's opportunities for community building that don't exist on the normie web i'm not sure i know exactly what those are yet right it's still shaking out exactly but um but just the idea that this, like, I can build this thing for permanence, the people who will be around, it'll be like, you know, it'll be the same identities. Um, something about that just feels, it feels different from using existing infrastructure where, you know, you don't know who's going to be around tomorrow. You don't know who the people are who are engaging with your work. I think, you know, if you have, that 1000 true fans model it's a place to build a community where like you know it starts being something more than just purely a magazine that people read but it can be you know something more than that i'm not going to use the dao word but like you know 
Yeah. There's something, uh, you know, it can be its own little slice of life. So what made you have the idea that you could do something like this and pull it off and make it work and, and make it succeed? Like what, what was the, you know, the, the flash of insight where you're like, I could do this because I mean, I, 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 this stuff takes so much work, like making a beautiful print magazine, selling it on a regular basis. It's a massive venture that I have a lot of respect for. So it takes a certain amount of conviction, a certain amount of like, I really want to do this. I really see an opportunity to do something like this. So, so I'd love to learn more about that context and like how you think about that. Yeah, I don't know if I ever did have that <laughs> flash of insight. You just, you <laughs> just, just, got, you yeah. just got pumped on it. You're like, I'm going, I'm going to do it. Um, no, I mean, well, I had, um, su- you know, I mentioned the idea to different people who were supportive. Um, shout out to Nick at Schlon, yeah. who, you know, who supported this idea in its infancy. And, uh, you know. I don't know, people just seem to think it could exist. And my underlying thesis was always that there was some way to combine the best of Urbit world and people I knew through that world with um, with the best from, you could say, New York publishing world and yeah. to smash those two things together. Okay, so tell me more about that and paint the picture here because yeah. I mean, I just rocked up to New York today. I just yeah. got off the plane. Um, the people that you know here, the people that are you know out, outside of this room in this house tonight, yeah. like help the audience understand like what is the context really like. So I noticed like all these people have Urbit IDs. Yeah. But, like how much of that were they already on Urbit? Did you like you know kind of strong arm them into it? Like tell us about the. I connect- have pretty strong arms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell. Yeah, I strong armed a couple. So, I'm so tell not us about how that you. works and like how is Urbit being perceived by these circles and how is that unfolding and what's going on with that? I don't know. I'm just, I just heard that Urbit has clout, you know, <laughs> like from a non tech person, like, uh, just like we yeah, Urbit has clout. Someone told you that. <laughs> yeah. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I think it's perceived differently. I was just talking to Agnes upstairs. Um, I was like, I don't know where anybody's coming from these days, you know, right. like, I don't know what anybody's preconceptions are. You really just have no clue. I mean, I guess I'm exaggerating a little, but well, like, yeah. yeah, I mean, no, like I, definitely people have different ideas around what Urbit is now that I can't necessarily guess. Like somebody tweeted, Urbit is for autistic hipsters. I think that idea is taking hold a little bit. You know, maybe New York Week is helping that, you know. Interesting. Aren't autistic and hipster kind of antonyms though? No, I don't no? think so. I think there are lots of autistic hipsters. Okay. Uh, but autism, autism is kind of the opposite of cool and hipster is cool. No, I think autism is cool now. In a way, autism is, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. But that's a weird kind of horseshoe going on there because, yeah. you know, classical cool is like nonchalant, right? It's, I don't, it's, it's relaxed. I don't care. And it's socially fluid, right? Yeah. And autism is kind of literally the opposite of all of those things, right? Uh, but I see your point. Of course, it is in a way autism is cool, probably because of, tech founders are rich and high status now. So that maybe was part of the reason why like autism came in, came into high what status. About like, like Michael Burry, you know, <laughs> like, like, cause he's like the hipster of finance. He's like, Oh, I've never heard anyone say that. I've never thought it's about like, that. Oh, <laughs> you guys all think this about subprime, you know, fast. That's like, I think yeah. otherwise, and I'm not going to wear shoes. That's a, fa- <laughs> that's, you a know? that's an interesting horseshoe there. That, that's a whole other podcast. So, but tell me more about like, what are your circles here? Like what are, what is the sociology in which the Mars review of books is emerging here in New York? 
Yeah, just very organically. I mean, like, how do you know these people? Like the Christian Lorenzen, yeah, and the, the Forever Magazine people, like whatever. Well, I know Christian from my time in book publishing. I worked for a publishing house. Oh, and, you did. Um, yeah, here in New York. And like one, uh, of the, one of the big five or whatever. No, or? not one of the big five. A uh, small independent press right that was. Uh, Distributed by the Big Five. Okay. But uh, so, you know, like you find it in bookstores and stuff. Right. Uh, and we published, we republished the early novels of the great Gary Indiana, who's one of the great living novelists today. And um, at the time, we reached out to Christian to do the intro for one of the books we were republishing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, so I just know Christian from Publishing World, and then Christian introduced me to Matt. Um, okay, so you're coming from a kind. You're coming from the establishment. Yeah, I mean, world. it didn't feel like that. You know, I mean, how did you get hooked into Urban anyway in the first place? Very randomly, <laughs> like I met. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not sure how many names to be using. Use them. Names use are them. names are good for content. For content. Yeah, you know, because I'm friends here. Their friends' names mentioned, then they share with their friends. Yeah. So okay. I'm becoming yeah. a gossip podcast. All honestly, right. <laughs> I'll, I'll trust you on that. No, Later, yeah. no I mean. That, um, <laughs> No, I met um, I met this guy Morgan, uh, and he told me about Herbert. Yeah, I just at a party, and you just checked, looked into it, and you were like, "I fuck with this." No, but <laughs> no, you looked into it, you're like, "This is what, retard- retarded." <laughs> what What happened was that, um, you know, I told him I was writing a novel, hmm. and he was really interested, hmm. and like. I was surprised that somebody who worked for a tech company was really interested. Ah. So I was like, oh, maybe there's like some different vibe here. And I was just like very like flattered. Right. Yeah. And so you like were more interested in what what he was talking about. I was like, let me figure. So it was like, what is this? Yeah, that is. But then as with a lot of people, like I took a bit of a dive, but you know, I, uh, I bounced off a little bit. Right. And then like a year later, I had left my job and um, I had more time on my hands. Right. I took a deeper dive. Right. And I was like, okay. And in between then, I'd gone to like a Urbit meetup um, and met Galen and Eric at Slon and, you know, thought they were very cool. Right. Yeah. And then you're just like, I'm in this club now. Yeah. I was just like, oh, I want, you know, I should get, figure out what, what is going on with this thing. Like, right. Can I get involved at all? Like what, you know, it just, right. I don't I'm drawn to anything like uh, eccentric. Well, to me, this is actually one of the greatest selling points of Urban that people still don't appreciate, which is that it's a, it's, it's a protocol. It is a software protocol. Yeah. And it is also a DAO that creators can plug into. Yeah. Like the people still just don't get this. It, it, it's going to take a little while, I think, before people can realize it. But, you know, like right now, when you look at the, you know, the, the larger landscape of Web3 and the various DAOs that are operating, you have multi-billion dollar software protocols like Uniswap or Aave or whatever the case yeah. might be. There's many of them, right? And these are permissionless, open, like software machines that if you can, you know, uh, interpret the code and make a meaningful pull request on the GitHub repo, yeah. you can like start getting paid working for these big software protocols. Like yeah. tomorrow, if you have the skills and you and you can add value, it's like yeah. this really open permissionless thing. And people are making mad money working in this highly distributed, decentralized, permissionless way. Um, what peop- But currently, there's no real way for writers or thinkers or like yeah. musicians or graphic artists to, to 
with an equally kind of permissionless, yeah. uh, permissionless decentralized way. Yeah actually start working for a DAO or plug into a DAO. And what people don't realize yet is that Urbit is that. When you are creating on Urbit, if you make an Urbit group or you're just active in a group and, you, and you're adding value to the network, you are more or less working, you, you are permissionlessly joining a DAO. You are working for a DAO. And maybe you're gonna buy some address space or someone's gonna give you some address space. Uh, but because address space can be distributed and it can be given to people as rewards for making you know valuable content, yeah. it is basically, I think, the first like serious high value software protocol DAO yeah. that writers and thinkers and creators can plug into in a non-trivial way. Yeah. And, and to me, that's like one of the big, big kind of dark horse yeah. like values and benefits and features of Urbit yeah. that people like don't even come close to understanding yet. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be great to see that grow. Uh, shout out Urbit media. You know, they're trying to kind of do a little, uh, Urbit Media DAO, not little. Yeah, big. totally. I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be. I, it's. It's. I. Yeah. You know, I don't know what's gonna happen. So when you decide you're gonna do the Mars review of books, there's a lot that goes into it. One of the things you have to decide is uh, a kind of whole vision of what types of books you want to review, what yeah. types of tone you're looking for. You. You. You know. Obviously, you can't program this stuff in advance, but every you know great magazine or great publication of this type has some kind of vision uh, in mind, some kind of founding vision. So tell us a little bit about what that is in your, in your mind uh, in terms of content, in terms of style. Like I look at the title, I look at the cover for instance, and it's got a very kind of uh, it's got a very kind of crypto, yeah. crypto punk, like cy- cy- cyberpunk kind of yeah. vibe. Uh, it's got a gun on the, on the cover, pretty bold, you know, it's a little aggressive. It's got dark colors. So yeah. I'm getting a kind of, you know, cypherpunk, cyberpunk, somewhat aggressive, somewhat, you know, even cold, I would dare say. Cold. Um, technological. That's interesting. You know, aggressive, yeah. like an aggressive yeah. technological kind of um, style. So, but I'm just giving you off the cuff what, what I'm seeing. No, that's what very I'm, interesting. What I'm seeing. What, what, how do you see it and how did you conceive of it? Um, let's see. Well, I wanted, I mean, from the look, I wanted it to look different. From looks awesome. Yeah, what you'd find elsewhere, or I wanted it to signify that this is something new, mm. and that we're looking at new types of things. Mm. And Isabel just did a fantastic job uh, bringing that to life. Shout out to Isabel and Shout Aust- out to Isabel. Austin. She's an Austin crew. Um, we're reviewing things that wouldn't get reviewed in the legacy media. So, like, how do you the books? You mean that's like, one thing. That's right. one thing. So, you know, so how do you pick the books? Like, what are you looking at? How are you? How are you? What are your yeah. criteria for? I'm going to send this out to a reviewer. Well, you know, I like mixing things together that don't really go together. Okay. So, I wanted to get people from the New York world engaging with like weirdo online world. I see. Okay. And maybe people from online world engaging with what might be some of the best stuff that's rising to the top of the legacy system. Right on. I mean, yeah, so that was part of my thesis from the beginning. I think, um, you know, one of the problems with magazines these days is that the way it used to be when you're reviewing books, like that's the only stuff to review. Mm -hmm. What somebody, what the publishing houses publish, that's the only content there is. That was true until like 20 years ago. Mm. That's not true at all anymore. Right. Right. Like the big five publishing houses don't dictate what's worth reading. Right. right? So we have a review of Control Creep in here, who's a pseudonymous author 
and the review's fantastic and the book is fantastic, you know, no legacy publication. Is that is, an independently published book? Yeah, or? that's an independently published book. Oh, which one is that? What's it called? Um, what's the title of the... Um, Just curious. Or the oh, review. yeah, the first great cyborg author question or the first great work of cyborg literature okay fascinating so you're oh i see so you're basically reviewing like internet content that usually would not qualify. well it was self-published as a print book okay but but i mean it's like yeah Yeah. unsanctioned it's like like that would not qualify for a review in most book reviews no but there's no real reason why not it's just you know as a matter of habit no, of course we don't publish something that any Joe Schmo exactly. just like prints out with Amazon. I see. Why would we do that? And you like, see there an opportunity because there's a lot of interesting stuff coming out course, now in that type of foreign map. Fascinating. Yeah. yeah. And I think, um, you know, what we were talking about with what has maybe led some magazines downhill, maybe that's happened with publishers too, where they're being a little, they're focusing maybe a little bit on the wrong stuff. And so they're publishing, they're all publishing the same shit that looks the same right you know? uh and maybe the quality control isn't there right and how do you think about writers on urbit like do you see as urbit do you think urbit will increasingly be like the source of of new writers the source of new content like does the ecosystem have to do things to generate that more do you think about that like um or is, is in general or for the magazine well because at the moment um I think what you're doing is you're you're putting content on Urbit, but you're yeah. also putting it on the internet. Yeah. And obviously, it's a beautiful print magazine as well. Um, you know, I've noticed there are more and more people, it seems, writing yes. o- on Urbit. Yeah. Like, that's the place where they do their writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just curious if you, th- if you think about that. Do you see that growing? Yeah. Or do you think that... I, I sometimes wonder if there are, like, you know, what... Which is what do you think the future of that looks like? You know, you have tools coming out like the studio blog, which I think you're using the studio yeah. app on Urbit yeah. that you use to publish uh, the Mars review. So, so there are kind of more and more tools and utilities for writers on Urbit, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I guess in a way is that I guess what I'm asking is in a way, is this a bet on like Urbit becoming Absolutely. becoming more of an epicenter of original content? Well, I mean, three of the authors are in here, just people I know from what I've seen them say and do on Urbit. Right. So like Neil, Neil, and Phil, Gailbach, and, um, and Reed. Reed, Sitful Reed Hatred. is Sitful Hatred. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's a very, like, that's a very non-programmatic answer. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, but just like, I think Urbit has become an epicenter for quality people. Mm. so like it works for producing um you know content in that way whereas i'm like i wouldn't like look for quality people like on discord right right yeah yeah interesting and i guess i'm curious if if you you know have you learned anything interesting in putting this together and getting the launch together like for people who want to build on urbit like build culture and content on urbit and businesses like small businesses on urbit like any interesting kind of observations or insights or experiences that you could share for people yeah i mean i've been heads down like doing the print mag for the past like couple months so i've learned a lot about like print production as for how this will shake out on Urbit, that's a little bit TBD. Sure. You know, we just did, like, but I like doing AMAs and stuff in mm-hmm. a private Urbit group. Yeah. Uh, I learned that if my group uh, 
bans comets, which it does. Yeah. I should make that public so that comets don't try to get in and bounce and not know what's going <laughs> on. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think like having a having a private group that's a small community where you can like do random shit. We're going to do a reading group. Uh, Varun, who you met earlier, he's going to lead a reading group on Spinoza's ethics. Well, nice. That's going to be in my group. Bid Ballet. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I mean, I guess that part, I'm, I still have a lot to learn, probably, in terms of like how to make this an urban business. Yeah, well, I think that's fair because the tooling is still shaking out. And I, I mean, I think, I don't want to like overhype shit, but yeah. I think the next like one year slash two years is going to be insane when it comes to... I think the game is going to change, honestly, yeah. just in terms of tools that come out. Yeah. Um, like, I don't know if you know Trent well, Trent from Holium. But I, I, we met, but I don't yeah. know well. Well, I see him kind of a lot because I do the podcast now out of the shared, right. shared offices. Yeah. Where, yeah, yeah. And like he shows me and he works hard, man. He ships it. He's in there every day. He works. He works hard. And they just ship like the ballot app. Yeah. Which is just their first little app yeah. for like DAO tooling. And I don't know, man. And he shows me mockups for like what's coming. And I'm like. Dude, I feel like this year is it's going to be big, or at, at the very least, like next this year or next year. I think basically there are going to be things you can do as groups on yeah. Urbit yeah. that you just can't do anywhere else, yeah. and it's going to boggle people's minds in terms of like what a group can do, what it means to be like a publishing collective or mm. you know a collective of writers or whatever. I think like so. I think in other words, what I'm saying is I think like your modesty around like I don't really know. We'll wait and see. Is yeah. the right is the right answer? Yeah. Because I think like I think stuff is coming down. Yeah, the pipe I'm, here like, yeah I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'm very here for like urbit word processing like yeah. just the task of like getting people's pieces electronically yeah. is a nightmare yeah like some people only use google docs some people like you know you just put it in markdown and yeah. put it on github yeah and then you gotta finalize it for print and then you gotta go back and take those finalized files and like yeah. reformat them for publication on urbit right like there's gotta be a better way definitely there's so much low-hanging fruit there's so much basic stuff um yeah, definitely. And so, okay, great. And so maybe tell us a little bit about like, what, what does the future hold? Like how, are, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess suspect you're looking for writers, you're looking for book reviewers. For sure, for you sure. probably have a bias towards people with Urbit, uh, Pat piece. <laughs> yeah, or, I have a bias <laughs> towards, you know, like anybody else, I have a bias towards people I know and people I've seen around. Right. But, uh, but yeah, definitely like having an Urbit ship, um, having a planet, you know, a planet or above <laughs> is a, uh, is a very positive sign like if i'm you know interacting with someone and if you were to if you were to kind of express a call for submissions like what how, how would you articulate it exactly like what what kinds of stuff are you, you know this always for? annoyed the shit out of me <laughs> from old publications but you know the best way to know what i'm looking for is to read, to read issue it one. Right, right um you know i'm looking for intelligent elegant writing about important <laughs> new subjects yeah mostly important new books but it doesn't have to be a book we did something on angelicism who you've also written about yeah. which is just a Substack. sure we did a few pieces that aren't pegged to books i always like to at least peg it to something new that comes out because then at least you know the person who wrote that will read it their uh, publicist will read it their agent will read it their editor will read it you right four <laughs> you got a minimum of four right right well, I mean, I think it's really smart what you're doing because there's clearly a big gap between the types of content that's coming out that's really interesting and sophisticated and highly deserving of of thoughtful reviewing yeah. and and what like establishment prestige yes. uh, book reviews 
will even consider yes. like eligible uh, types of content. Like we were talking about yeah. before, like with, you know, a, a Substack is not seen as worthy of yeah. a proper book review or a independently published book is not seen as worthy of a proper book review. Yeah. And so just basically staking your claim and saying, we're just going to treat that content as equally worthy of yeah. sophisticated book, and not uh, all book of reviews. it, obviously, it's a but great it's opportunity. Like, yeah. of course, not all. Of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. But it's but it's a it's a really smart move, and it's a big opportunity. And I think that when you put it that way, it makes a lot of sense to me. Like, yeah. what you're trying to do, and um, it sounds really smart and sounds awesome. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, man. I only got my hands on this today, so I yeah, unfo- this unfortunately is, this I, is hot off the press. Unfo- yeah, unfortunately, we just got this down in a van from upstate New York. Hell yeah, hell yeah. So down un- into the city. Unfortunately, I can't speak to any of the pieces. Although I'm probably going to read them tonight and tomorrow morning, so I can oh, talk cool. to people like Neil. I'll yeah, try, I got to get Neil in here. Oh yeah, uh, he's like a mad genius. He's very interesting. Neil is dude. fantastic. Oh, before I let you go, though, I have to ask you about. Um, for a long time, you were working on a history of Urbit. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Give us an update on that, that. You know, that took a backseat sure. to this project. But, sure. um, yeah. But, you know, in five minutes, recapitulate the entire history of Urbit for us. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you wrote many chapters. I mean, it's like a significantly advanced. Yeah, I think 10 now. Yeah. Um, and I think you, I'm going with your suggestion. I'm just going to call it the machine war. Or Aberbit Condita, maybe. Maybe I'll right. You, that you had this like Latin name, and I think, yeah. I, I think I said at some point, like, I think Machine War is cooler. <laughs> I, I, think, I think you're right. I think um, you're right. Tell us, like, what are some of the standout, you know, um, memories from that that project or insights or lessons that, about Urbit's history that that people don't know about that are worth sharing? Yeah, I mean, I think I was surprised to just find how serious and committed and, um, like, idealistic Urbit is as a project. Mm. Like and just how counter to the prevailing winds it is. Mm-hmm. Those were some. That was like the main takeaway I had from like, you know, learning a lot about Urbit and the people behind it and the history. It's like people aren't fucking around. Like it's like deeply structurally contrarian. To, yeah. To like to like a really almost antisocial degree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You might put it that yeah. way. Yeah. But just like you know, people are really thinking seriously about like. What should the computing experience? Were be there particular anecdotes or particular like um, you know, little uh, stories that might interest people on that front? Um, oh hi! It's a guy. Do you need us there? <laughs> I like that. I, I hope there's a lot of this. I think it, I ma- think it makes there content. Will be a lot of I think this. it makes content interesting. Yeah, um, like when people are coming in and out. So you know, that's I like su- that was like Howard Stern's great invention, right? It's like you know when there's an interruption that becomes part of the show. Yeah, exactly. So I, I very much encourage this. You should you could tell people that. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, everybody um, bother Justin. Yeah, yeah. Come on and barge in. Um, but yeah, so were there particular anecdotes on on this like contrarian um, like like founding attitude of Urban? Well, um, you know, in one of the early chapters, I recount sort of uh, Curtis's entry, early entry of the Urbit project to a uh, symposium, and uh, oh right, that's the, one of the early chapters. I think yeah, I read that. It's an interesting, and it got a, a funny story. response, but it's like in a way, it's emblematic because the you know the people who received this project were so triggered but also like they were just misunderstanding things like they weren't actually being insulted i don't think right they felt that because way. what did they say or what was well, the just it was, i mean i think the, the line was like um urban is functional programming for stupid people like you <laughs> but <laughs> the point of that line was just to be like like it needs to be something that you know, can work for, you know, can be like simple, right? Right. To right. be as simple as possible. Right. It's not like you reader are stupid. 
it wasn't it if i recall from your chapter doesn't he in his paper or his submission to this conference i think it was in tokyo or something like that if yeah, i'm not yeah. mistaken yeah he talked that that's where i think he first talks about uh the martian reference and and the concept of of you know what would it look like if if uh in in the in the far future martians like landed on earth yeah and uh, decided to like rewrite all of software to make it yeah, exactly. as like simple as possible. But he actually uses that language like in this technical paper or something like that. I forget. Yeah, yeah. Like I in the that, proposal. That was, that, or, yeah. that was the first post. Um, more on more on lab. Okay. Which I think was the first public post about Urbit. Okay. And that was a blog. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Interesting. So. Yeah, I, I I just wonder if there's anything else that you know bears repeating for the or, or deep lore. Like, what, yeah. what kind of deep well, lore do you, you have? Know, what what what's been posted publicly? There's some a good deal of stuff about Urbit, but there's also a good deal of stuff about like the history of computing before Urbit. Right. Like I was trying to write a holistic history of computing. Ah, right. From an Urbit centric standpoint. Mm. So there's lots of wild stuff there, just about these crazy characters like John von Neumann, mm. who uh, you know, kind of invented the modern computer. About Pascal, right. just yeah, the idea of the computer has been around for a long time. Sure. And the uh, thing that writing this book showed me was that we still kind of don't know what like a computer is, mm. and I think that's something Urbit people think about deeply. That maybe other tech people don't think about quite as much is the like the wherefore you know mm. and uh, what is the wherefore i don't know man <laughs> uh i i really don't know i mean obviously like it's a good calculating machine <laughs> but uh you know like leibniz was like trying to use it to like discover the truth about god and man and right. eternity right you know i think we're gonna do it <laughs> it seems possible yeah yeah i'm here for it yeah okay fascinating well i hope you finish that book and, yes thank you and get it published i oh, mean I shall. maybe what will happen is the mars review of books will become so big and powerful that uh you'll basically just be then you'll launch your own book through it basically we'd i'd like to do books to yeah. do print books yeah oh so that's a, a, a later yeah, a mean, later ambition do books yeah. yeah it's an ambition i need more um people nice dude nice dude yeah. well where can people subscribe i think it's live now right so people can get this mail to them on a regular basis yes Is that right? yes that's all it's it's all gonna be yeah by the time this goes out yeah. it'll all be on marsreview.org nice. um you can come to my urbit group bid bell slash a i'll put links if you, in if the you show have notes. a planet yeah um, i'll put links in all the show notes oh, yeah. and if you need a planet i'll give you one for free i'll put there a link to that in the show notes also and um yeah, and um, you can buy a copy on MarsReview.org if you want the print copy. If we don't sell out this weekend, if we sell out this weekend, okay. I, don't, I don't know what happens. I suspect you will. How many copies do you have here? Here we have 500. What, there's more after that? Mm, there's, you know, potentially. Those are good numbers. You're expecting, yeah. you're expecting big numbers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, dude. Yeah. Nice, dude. Well, thanks for jumping on here with me. This yeah. is fun to catch up with you and hear about, you know, with the, the thinking that's gone behind this it's come out it's come out amazing i'm super pumped thank on you this. thank you i'm genuinely eager I to really appreciate sit that. down and read every word of it because i mean i was just flipping through it and it's, it seems very clear pretty quickly it's like well there's you don't just you just don't get this vibe anywhere like you it's don't something get new this like mix of yeah you know crypto anarchy and like uh you know neil davis's analyses of like nuclear fusion and then like you flip the page and it's like uh your playwright buddies talking about you know uh like the professional managerial class it's like it's it's something else so i i'm, I'm very intrigued to, to go deep on it yeah man well, yeah, thank man. you thank you noah all right dude i think that's a wrap all right nice 
Beautiful. Yes, sir. Good stuff, man. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. You made it all the way to the very end, so you must really like the show. In that case, I would be super grateful if you'd be so kind to leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is go to otherlife.co slash review. That's otherlife.co forward slash review. And it'll send you an Apple podcast. Just leave a review. You can be honest. Tell me what you really think. I'd really appreciate it because it'll help other people find the show. And I'm really trying to grow out the podcast. So thanks for listening. And thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it.